Yep, we're having another baby. This conversation with my wife on this podcast is long overdue, and it's one that will help you to establish the systems and boundaries you need to thrive. This is the 5AM Miracle, episode number 400, Productive Parenting and Our New Plus One with Tessa Sanders. Good morning, I am Jeff Sanders, and this is the podcast dedicated to dominating your day before breakfast. And welcome back to the 5A Miracle Studios. I am here with my wife, Tessa. Hi. So we just had this conversation a few minutes ago about how you think this hello is really awkward <laughs> because we've been together in the house for a while. Like, um, I just, I work across the hall. So <laughs> for you to be like, hello, like we haven't seen each other at all today. It's, yeah. It's weird. <laughs> I think there's like a, a podcast personality that turns on with me when the microphone's nearby. I just become someone else, which... I mean, it might be good for performance sake, but maybe is awkward for. But I mean, when you say hi, it's natural to say hi back. But that's true. We've just like ate, eaten lunch together or whatever. Yes. Well, anyway, so let's get to today's conversation. Okay. So we can avoid uh, whatever awkwardness that was. Um, today is an exciting conversation. Uh, we, if you listen to the intro to this podcast, you just heard what I announced, which is that Tessa and I are pregnant. Yay! Although that phrase, we are pregnant, always comes across awkward in my head because I'm pretty sure I'm not pregnant, but I might be. Yeah, well, if you just say that I'm pregnant, it makes it seem like you have nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was a partnership in that regard. Um, yeah, the last time that you were on the show talking about parenting and kids, we had this uh, two-part episode series. This was from three years ago where we talked about our IVF journey, the fertility journey to bring Maisie into the world, our first daughter, and kind of the story around her birth and kind of the chaos of that. So I'll have links in the show notes for uh, for you. If you have not heard that birth story, it is a wild one, uh, one you definitely want to hear. Um, kind of a little shocker, um, I delivered the baby. Or Tessa delivered, I caught. Um, anyway, so that will be in the show notes uh, for this episode. But today we want to talk about a lot of parenting techniques, strategies, changes, productivity systems, pretty much all the things that Tessa and I have done since we had Maisie and since that whole thing began for us, that new life chapter. And I want to discuss that from the perspective of a productivity guy, from a new parenting perspective for us, and just kind of that life shift that took place and what our world looks like now and what it might look like in a year when we have two daughters. That's right. The next one is another daughter. Uh, we'll have two daughters next year. And so that's going to be a big shift. So let's go back and talk about life before Maisie, life before parenting. Um, my, most of my podcast was recorded prior to Maisie. So it was kind of a Jeff Sanders-centric perspective. And now my perspective has you know evolved and grown quite a bit to include much more of the family perspective. So Tessa, take us back to what your life was like prior to Maisie. Yeah, so I think... We were, we always have been sort of independent in our marriage. Like you do your thing, I do my thing. Sometimes we pass in the hallway. Mm -hmm. um, we'll get together for date nights and things like that. But we're definitely we've we've never really been a couple that just like has to be together all the time. Right. Um, and so before Maisie, I would say we were very independent. Um, and so I think one of the biggest shifts, as you just mentioned, after having a child, is like we actually 
need to do more things together <laughs> and like help each other with our things more often and coordinate things more often um, in a way that we didn't really do before. So a lot of the systems we're going to talk about later, I think there's this theme of like collaboration maybe. Like it used to just be that like I did my thing over here and you did your thing over here and it, it didn't really take a lot of synchronizing. Which is interesting, too, because a lot of the kind of productivity advice I've given on this show for years is kind of one-person-centric systems. Like, I have a task manager that only I use. It's not really team-oriented or group-oriented or partnership-oriented. And to have that shift for me was a pretty big one because it required more communication, more kind of, I'm not going to call them family meetings, but just more of you and I talking more frequently about, you know, what's your schedule look like? What does mine look like? How do we coordinate that? Who has the daughter today? Who doesn't? You know, what does that mean for personal time? And it's it's a whole different level of communication for us that didn't exist before on that level. And I think it's been a really interesting one because I've had to kind of share more of my time definitely have less kind of me time than I had before, uh, which has, you know, pros and cons for, for both of those. But I think it's interesting just knowing that my life is different than it used to be. And what's interesting about that, too, is this week, as we're recording this episode, our daughter is not even here. She is in Missouri and we're in Tennessee. Coincidence? So kind of ironic <laughs> there. So we're kind of back to our old life prior to her for this you know, few days we have available. And it's, I don't know. I, it's so weird. It's really it's, weird. It's so weird to... It's so quiet here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like eerily quiet. And the house is so clean. <laughs> it's shockingly picked up and put together. Yeah. It's... It's kind of, we, we haven't had a ton of vacations where we're here sort of doing our normal life and Maisie's been somewhere else. Um, right. It's very, very rare. And if we have, I feel like I've been slammed with something, um, you know, keeping me busy. Whereas this time it, it really does sort of feel like pre-Maisie lifestyle again. And it's like, it oh, what did I do with all this time? <laughs> well, even in, in the car the other day, you were like, you know, my life has been all about her. And so kind of, you know, who am I without her? What does that mean for, you know, my career or my life purpose? Like these kind of bigger questions that pop up. It's like, what are we here doing? Like, what is all this? Mm -hmm. I feel like part of that is it's very easy to, I don't know, lose perspective on that when you're so busy all the time. And I feel like that's been a big shift for us, too, is that we went from a life where we kind of create our own busyness to one where the busyness found us. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's also kind of a, an opportunity to say, well, I need better systems to be able to manage the income of all of the, the inputs that are happening and the, I don't know, the, not chaos necessarily, but just the, the hustle and bustle that comes from having more people around. Yeah. It's a bit more spontaneous when you have a baby or a toddler as yes. well. So like yes. before or without a child, I know exactly how long it'll take me to go from the bed in the morning to the alarm clock to the car. <laughs> I know what's going to happen. Whereas with a toddler or all, a baby, it's off. like it could take five minutes. It could take 40 minutes. Um, and so that's a shift as well. Yeah, which has been a lot of fun, but very interesting. So let's get to these systems then as far as where we are today. I think that one thing that we just mentioned, this idea of, of a partnership. Uh, but let's talk about that that concept from having the need for when things get busy, being able to kind of share that responsibility. Because I feel like that's a big part of what it means to have these systems is that we're doing this together. We're not solo parents. Sometimes we are, but that's also a part of what that looks like. So what's been your perspective on kind of being a mom, but also being able to I don't know, pass off the mom duties on occasion? Yeah, I think, I mean, 
I think we largely like kind of divide and conquer in life, you and yeah. I. Yeah. So it's, you know, often we're sort of trading off, like I'll watch her for a little while while you work, you watch her for a little while while I work. And I think, especially when she was a baby, like a little baby, um, there were times where I just like kind of forgot that I have this wonderful support system in my own home. And that even if it's your time to be doing a podcast or your time to be, I don't know, whatever else you do, your things, <laughs> working in the garage or, or doing yard work or working out or whatever, like those things, you're still available. And so if I need to sort of tap out, I can. Um, and I think that that happened right at the time where we were really experiencing that lack of me time. Mm. And before I never thought of myself as someone who like needed me time. I didn't even really know what that meant. Um, and I think coupled together with like the stressors of having a, a really little baby and realizing like, I don't even know how to make me time. I don't even know what I want to do. I don't always know at, at the time I was much less able to identify when I needed a break. Um, and so I think having that realization like, oh, I have a spouse. He's here. He's ready and available. All I have to do is ask him to take over for, for a while. Which is also a big part of it, too, I think, is that like you mentioned this the other day was that you don't have to do everything. You can pass off kind of the responsibility when you need to. I think that that willingness to say, like, I need a break right now. We need to work together right now. That's kind of what I mean, that can kind of test a relationship to a certain mm -hmm. degree. But I think for us, we don't tend to ever fight. We don't ever have tension. We just kind of just go with the flow. Mm -hmm. And that I think that that for me is a big shift being a control freak and then be able to say I have to kind of give up some of that control and be more flexible and more spontaneous and more reactive in the moment. That's a new set of skills that I think some people thrive in that environment and others. It really throws them off. And I feel like I've had to kind of alter my skill set to be able to say, okay, right now I can flex my time, but when I have a focused block of time later, I need to get to work really fast because that time is precious. Yeah. I think we've also started paying attention to each other's well-being a bit more. Oh, yeah. Like pre-Maisie, I really relied on you to like tell me if you're feeling bad or to stop doing your activities if you felt like you need a break. But I think sometimes with a kid, you forget that that's an option. Um, and so for us to be able to say to each other, like, if you need a break, like, I'm here, or do you need me to do that? And many times when one of us would say that to the other one, we'd be like, yes, right now is what I need that. <laughs> you know, kind of part of that conversation of the partnership, I think, for me, also plays in very closely to boundaries. And to me, that has been the most obvious shift in terms of system building is where I have some hard stops. So, I mean, the simple example would be, you know, our daughter has a 7 a.m. wake up call and then a 7 p.m. she's in bed and she's usually in daycare Monday through Friday and has very specific time frames for, for drop off and for pickup. And so her schedule in many ways dictates all of our schedules and we have to revolve our lives around when and where she is and what she's doing and then figure out in those open blocks. Now I have, okay, four hours to get stuff done. I need to prioritize what's most important and really execute in that time block. Whereas before, I could really work as long as I was awake. And it wasn't as many, there was really nothing holding me back from saying I, I could spend, you know, 7 p.m. until midnight doing work if I want to. Now it's not quite the same flow because those boundaries are there. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think having 
especially sort of end time boundaries to certain things. Mm-hmm. Like I need to leave work at this time to pick my child up. And like, I've never missed daycare pickup because I had right. like, extra work to do. Just like I never missed going to class when I was in grad school. Like when you have something on your calendar that says you need to stop what you're doing and go do something else. If that's not really a negotiable item, then you make it work. Which is interesting too, because I think that, well, especially for a guy that's worked for himself for so long, there's no such thing as a hard stop in my world necessarily, because I am my own boss. I get to dictate when and how long I work on things. So to then go to a, a lifestyle where there are lots of hard stops. Now, that could come from a simple example of having a meeting you're going to attend, and I'm never late to a meeting, so I'll show up to it on time. But this is just another example of whatever I'm doing now, it has a finish line, and I have to wrap things up and be able to get it done which has forced me to prioritize on a level I've never done before. And so if you're looking for kind of a way to be more productive and to filter out what does and does not matter, having hard stops for me has been essential to to making that next leap in terms of my own ability to say, I'm ultimately going to be less busy in the sense of lots of checkboxes, but more effective in the sense of getting the right things done when those times show up. And when I think back to like pre-Maisie versus like, current times like we're still doing the same big rocks if you will like we still have work we've got house stuff we've got church stuff like we're it's not that we've like had to get rid of all these other things to like make room for a child it's like it's it's that sort of spill over time or the like less important activities that have just sort of gone to the wayside because we're more intentionally focused on the important things well, let's also talk about that from the perspective of the pandemic, because Maisie was, what, a year and a half when the pandemic began, and she just turned three. I'm um, speaking of milestones. So Maisie just turned three. This podcast just turned eight years old a Ooh. couple of days ago. Yay. Uh, so that's a really big deal. And also this podcast, this is episode number 400, 400. Uh, which is pretty sweet. And also just a few months ago, the podcast hit 10 million total downloads. So like, there's a lot of like lots of big things, major milestones that are hitting all at the same time. Um, I mean, I have a birthday coming up too, which I love, but this <laughs> 37 is not exciting. In like so, more than a month. <laughs> I, don't ca- I view the whole summer as my birthday. Let's, let's be real with that. Okay, noted. <laughs> and I take gifts year round. If you're listening to this, I'll send me a gift. I'll accept it. Um, But yeah, I feel like there's a lot of interesting milestones that are happening here. And one of those that we didn't expect and no one really did was the the pandemic. And it really changed and challenged us in a lot of ways. And many people have gone through similar journeys in terms of childcare challenges. And we decided to do potty training in the middle of the pandemic when it first started. Uh, Talk to us about for you, Tessa, like what the what the pandemic meant for you in terms of being a mom and managing priorities and just how how'd that work for you? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really difficult to look back on these last three years with Maisie and separate that from COVID. Right. Like the COVID, the, you know, isolation or lockdown or whatever we're calling it. And I think I learned a lot during those, like the first couple of months with COVID, she was out of school. And so she was home with us and I was trying to work basically full time. Right. And, you know, I had worked... As you all know, I had worked from home before. So, like, I kind of understood the work from home thing and how to set boundaries for, like, work and home life. But I think my big lesson there is, like, I I realized very quickly I can't full-time parent and also 40 hours a week mm. at my job and do either well. 
Right. So there really has, and I was kind of trying to do both, trying to fit in all of my work during nap times and after bedtime, which you can do for a while. Yeah. Um, but, after, but not forever. But not forever. And, you know, at the time, it's like the COVID stuff was just like stretching out, seemed like infinitely. And so a couple months in, I had to make some changes to be like, okay, how, what is actually sustainable here so that I feel like I am like enjoying my child and enjoying my life and getting the important things done at work too. What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with my sponsor, Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. Yeah, I mean, COVID provided all kinds of challenges. And one way that I know before we had Maisie, I had this question for myself, which was, how will I be as a dad? Like, will I enjoy it? Will I not enjoy it? Will it be, will I want to be a full-time dad, you know, and stay home with, with her and like, you know, have the business be a little less important? And one thing I realized initially when we first had her was, you know, being a full-time dad is not really my thing. But then COVID hit and I was like, oh, no, that's really true. I definitely do not want to be a full-time dad in that sense of watching her all the time. Not because I don't love my daughter, but because that is a completely different like lifestyle that, it, it, yes, it took us by storm in the sense that it all came on all at once. But I think that the way you mentioned earlier, the way that you and I tend to operate is we kind of go in our corner, we do our own thing, and then we come back out and we can be social again after we've had our focus time to work. And we both need that. And to not have access to that or to have it really be sparse and in random places, I lost that cohesion and that rhythm that I was so accustomed to. And I think that we both thrive in when we have the rhythms that work for us. And so it, it, I think for us now, it's figuring out what is the new rhythm for our lives that's going to be able to work for both of us. And then we bring on another daughter later. It's going to add a whole nother wrench to that system. But we, we I think we, we're more aware now of what we want. And so because of that, we can create systems that really align to that better. Yeah. The other thing I, I realized with the COVID thing and a toddler is um, sort of thinking about like mommy perspective now. It's like, I don't actually need to take this toddler out to do super cool things. Mm. for her to be entertained and enjoy life. Like it was at that 
phase in her life where like having a kiwi was like a new exciting thing and so i really just realized through the pandemic like we don't need she's you know at the time she's a year and a half it's like we don't need to go to the zoo we don't need to go on a vacation we don't need to like go to a bounce house like i can give her some chalk and we can go in the backyard and the pace is a bit slower but we can actually enjoy the time we have together in a way that really is sort of developmentally appropriate for where she was at the time Oh, and it's just, I mean, kid things too. It's like, we can buy her a fancy gift or take her to the zoo. We can also just show her like a piece of trash. And she's just as excited about whatever the small thing is that's seemingly insignificant to us. And yet for her, it's entertaining, it's educational, it's it's whatever. But I think we, we found a lot of interesting ways to engage with her when we didn't have the opportunity to go somewhere else, which is also a whole nother kind of lesson in parenting is like ways to to be with your child in a way that's still you know, great parenting per se, without going on awesome fun trips that are notable on Facebook or something. If that is stressful to you. Like to me, it's stressful. It's like pack her up and we keep mentioning the zoo. We've not even taken her to the zoo, but like- People love the the zoo. (laughs) Yeah, people around here love the zoo. Um, And when I think about that, you know, at the time we were like potty training with her. And so the idea of leaving the house was like stressful to me. And so I just realized like- if this was really like energizing for somebody, like go for it. I'm all about people taking their kids to the zoo. But for me at the time, that was an added layer of stress that didn't really, um, it wasn't necessary. And so I think that's something that I hope I'll be able to carry on like into the future. It's like do things with Maisie that she enjoys that aren't stressful for me. Um, and then everybody's happy. Very true. Very true. Um, so let's talk about kind of habits and routines that we've established. And now that we have kind of that that other person we're caring for. I mean, the examples we had listed kind of in our notes here were things like the daily lunches that we're doing, the drop-offs that we do, brushing her teeth at night. Like there's this whole series of new habits that we're doing every day, some of which are fairly straightforward. Others are wildly challenging for no reason at all. And it's interesting just to see how, I mean, that has been an evolution in of itself. I mean, like, brushing her teeth for example it used to be super simple now she wants to fight us every night it's like a war that happens at 7 p.m so like what has that looked like for you in terms of of habit changes with your kind of new life there yeah well i think the main thing is is that a habit is to me at least is when you like come up with a plan for something and you implement that plan and so every day you're not trying to figure out a new plan you just do it every day in that same way. So it's a lot less like cognitively taxing because you just have a system. And so I think we've kind of fallen into certain habits like that. Like I pack the lunches for her to go to school every night. And that's just part of like, I do it without thinking. We don't have to like discuss it all the time. And um, I think that's been really helpful so that we're not constantly like, I wonder how we're going to get everything to school. Like (laughs) we're not doubling up because I'm thinking about you know, packing the bag for school or whatever. And it just makes things more simple. Um, But pre-Maisie, I would come up with a habit and stick with it for like months or years. Right. Once Maisie was born, I realized we had to sort of shift our habits and change them much more frequently. So a lot, yes. Weekly, monthly, something like that. I mean, now that she's a bit more firmly in the toddler world um, or child world now, I guess. Um, We don't have to as much, but especially early on, it was like, oh, we can't do this the same way we've been doing this for the last six weeks because she's changed now and needs new things. Well, it's also, I mean, it's kind of a a parenting reality you have initially was that 
everything's a season. Nothing lasts forever. I mean, if she's being difficult, that won't last very long. She's in a great mood. That's also not going to last very long. Like all of these things are just so just seasonal and, and a season could last all of five minutes or five weeks. You don't even know. And it's just interesting to see so many. Yeah, the, the changes that take place so quickly and me having to say, OK, where are we now? And that, that question of, okay, how should I be responding now? What's the next habit to implement to get us through this next season, however long it may last? And so I think that, for, for to your point, that a habit could last for months or years, and now they last for a, sh- a shorter time, I'm having to relook at what does my calendar look like a lot more often? Literally every day, multiple times a day, what does it look like now? And how do I change that now? And that adaptive reality is much more fluid in a way that is less predictable, but has has worked for us in the sense of being a lot more aware of what the next most important thing is to tackle and then being willing to jump in and do whatever that is. And I think that that willingness is a different reality than I used to have. Yeah. And and I think also we're both fairly aware of what the other one is doing in terms of caring for Maisie. So like when I teach class, you you do the lunches. Yeah. You know, it's not like I'm doing all the things and you're doing none of the things. Like I think we have a pretty good split. Um, and we're doing the things that we like to do. So there are certain things yeah. like the toothbrush battle that like I don't <laughs> enjoy. So you end up doing that a lot more than I do um, right? because I don't know, you make it more fun and it's more enjoyable when the two of you do it than when she and I try to do it. Yeah, it's, that's an interesting. Well, it's kind of the roles that we each take on, which I think is also, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes around what mothers do versus what fathers do. And I think that to some degree that's true for us, but to the other degree, it's just, well, what's your like interest in this activity with her and how much do you want to engage with that and we've been able to kind of find yeah a balance on who does what and why and now we're not really thinking about that it's just kind of second nature which is a good place to be now we've asked me that same question three years ago i was like whoa 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 there's just too many things that are new and happening and you know, my, our initial kind of new parent brain was just shot, you know, low on sleep, high on stress, totally confused. Like we had that typical new parent experience, but those things leveled out. And now it's, it's it feels much more normal now. I mean, to the degree that she's not here this week and it feels weird. Yeah. Like it's it's a really bizarre like sense of quiet. And we're just we're so used to the noise. We're used to the TV being on and her running around and like, you know, the constant nagging, but in a, in a fun way, like all of that. Is just I, we, I miss it now because she's not here. Yeah. Speaking of habits, we've also been pretty intentional about slowly transferring ownership of some of these things to her. Oh yeah. So true. as she's like getting close to being, you know, a child and not a baby, we're slowly sort of saying, okay, now like I'm not doing this for you anymore. You're old enough to do this for yourself. And so it's been really fun to teach her the habits. Like here's mm-hmm. the order that we do the morning routine and you're not doing this. We're not going to get in the car until you've put your clothes on <laughs> and I'm not going to put them on you. You need to put them on. Um, and yeah. so to develop some of those habits in her is like just so magical to see mm-hmm. her because she likes to be able to do things on her own. You know, she's in that phase where she wants to do it herself. Um, But we have had to rearrange things a bit. You know, we've moved um, some of our cabinets and drawers around in the kitchen so that she can get her own, like, food and cups, and she can fill up a cup with water and drink it herself. Um, So, you know, that also took some reflection to be like, hmm, I'm doing this for this child, but she really could be doing it on her own. Maybe I need to actually explicitly teach her how to do it, but really she can do it. And so that's been really fun to sort of watch her develop some of these habits that we're talking about too. In the name of efficiency, I mean, obviously if she can handle something and we don't have to, that's going to, you know, make everyone a lot happier. 
and and at the same time, the learning curve for her is like a lot stronger. So we've been working on like fill the cup up with water and get yourself a drink for like two years, a while. And at the beginning, it was just um, I mean, literally, it was a mess. An there was water mess. everywhere. Yes. Um, and now, for the most part, she can do it, and it's fun to see. There's a little less water. Still, still water on the floor. Yeah. But, but now much. she knows where the towel is and can clean it up. So it's that's still working. We're making progress. progress. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there at some point. Um. Yeah, so along the lines of not necessarily taking care of, of water messes, I think the one thing that I have been more intentional about are my weekly reviews, which I've discussed in this podcast a million times, but I think that they are epically more important now than they've ever been. And at least from the perspective of being able to say, okay, looking back at last week, it was kind of a mess, but a little more of a controlled mess than it has been in the past. And then my question is, how do I kind of have a even more controlled chaos going forward and so I've used my, my I've used my reviews recently as a more intentional way to say, you know, here are the the boundaries I have in place. Here are the very distinct focus blocks of time that I want to tackle my big things, but then also intentionally, very much so, under planning my days. This has been a bigger shift than I've had before because in the past I used to say like, well, I can just fill my day on the calendar with lots of activities, and I'll probably do all of them. Now it's, I have to underplan significantly because the, I know there are going to be things that pop up that I cannot see coming until the day of, and then I'll have to reorganize you know, what I'm doing. And so that willingness to say, my plan going forward is to underplan has been really essential for me to be able to guarantee that what matters is getting done, but there's a lot of white space because it's going to get filled with something. And that's something I don't know what it is yet, but when it shows up, I'll have to handle it. And that to me has been a really important lesson in flexibility that I see play out in that review period. Yeah. And I think for me, the weekly review is different in that I am planning for the whole week. Like, Normally, my or before Maisie, my weekly review was basically a work review. And so, like, what do I need to do Monday to Friday until it's like quitting time on Friday? And then mm-hmm. after that, I had no, like, it was all white space. Even if I had stuff on the calendar, like, I didn't plan as much for those things. But now with Maisie, we have to sort of coordinate a bit more on the weekend. So, like, we both can't go out with friends at the same time and plan to do it without her. <laughs> like, we have to coordinate that. Um, and so, to add sort of Friday night and Saturday and Sunday on to my weekly review, um, which I do much more informally than you do. But I think as we get farther into this, we're going to have to like add those those different days because her weekends are getting busier and busier, especially now that the pandemic is sort of waning. Fast forward to the end of 2024 and think about your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should check out my sponsor, Babbel. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, and studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions, without having to rely on language apps while traveling. 
Now, here's a special limited time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. Well, from that perspective, with the pandemic ending, we have been a lot more social, a lot busier. I mean, everything from parties to events to just things to do, places to go, which is great. But it also it's a it's a totally different life plan than saying, well, we're going to be home again and again and again, and which, you know, that got old. But it also got more predictable. I think having more events, more things happening is definitely more fun, but just ups the ante again to say, now I need to definitely make sure my calendar aligns to the reality that I know is going to happen, which I think to me, that's been another lesson is I'm more honest with myself about how I actually live. Because, you know, I've taught for years on this show about what an ideal week would look like. And it's great to be able to map out, I would love for my week to look like this. But I've that's been kind of a pipe dream. And I, I'm much better now of saying, here's the ideal, but here is my actual reality, the way that I tend to operate. You know, I may say that I'm going to do this, but I don't really do that. And then shifting my calendar to be more kind of aligned with my normal habits, my, my tendencies, because then I actually do what I plan to do in a way that feels natural for me. And, and of course, still adjusting for Maisie and adjusting for whatever else is happening, but just that willingness to acknowledge, like, I'm not as kind of put together as I thought that I wanted to be. And, and that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Well, and I think for me, at least there's a bit more of like energy management. So like, I know yeah. by the end of the day on Friday, like I'm, I'm wiped. I'm not going to be doing a lot of important stuff on Friday where before I sort of had this mentality of like, I'm going to push through. Like if I've still got things on the to-do list on Friday afternoon, like I'm just going to push through. And I think now, and I don't know if it's from the pandemic or from being a mom, but I'm more likely to say like, I want a bit of downtime. I want some space here. I'm not going to push through because it doesn't like leave me feeling much better anyway. Yeah, Um, And so, you know, adding, or I guess taking those kinds of things off the plate. Um, or something I do as well. Well, and part of that too for me has been, you know, in the past I would work nights and weekends because I could. And now it's, there really is no chance that I'm going to focus nights and weekends. Like it's just not possible. So when I used to say like, oh, I can kind of over plan my calendar or do some work on a Wednesday night from seven to 10, like that's not happening anymore. Like that, that time is gone. And so it's good because it gives me more family time and more flex time. But also it's just it is hyper vigilant for me about the work schedule. And yes, sometimes on the weekends I can do some things. But like you just mentioned, weekends are, are pretty they're, they're, they're crazy in a way that they weren't before because we're both home with her without work. So what do we do all this whole weekend time that I used to have? I don't know, different plans for and just the life is just different now in a, in a weird way. Yeah. In a good way. In a good way. <laughs> I'm not complaining. It's just one of those interesting, you know, we, we make these choices in life to say, like, I'm going to pursue this career path. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids or whatever the thing is you're doing. And in a lot of ways, without actually knowing what you're saying yes to. And I think that's what a really interesting reality about parenting is that you're saying yes to quite a bit when, it, you're, when this whole thing first kicks off and you're excited, which is great. But then reality sets in. You're like, wait, what did I actually say yes to here? Because it's goofy in, in many ways. But I think that's it's been, I mean, these first three years have been awesome. 
I'm not in any way you know regretting those, but it's just it's such a interesting way to say this is my life now. And you know, I had this moment the other day where I was thinking, you know, I remember being a kid and my dad being in his mid thirties and him doing certain activities, and I had this realization like, wait a minute, I am my dad. Like I am exactly where he was. I'm mowing the grass like he does. I'm kind of doing these things that I thought like, well, adults do this, and you know, parents do this, but I am that guy now. And it's really interesting to kind of live that out and have these that self-awareness of like, I'm living my life every day. This is the life I chose. This is where I am. And being able to say, well, I'm I'm good with that and I can make it better. And having that intentionality to say, Let, let's go make things even better on an ongoing basis. Yeah. So welcome to number two. I mean, right. And then number two shows up. And it's yeah. like, okay, I said yes again. So I must be either crazy or I have something working. So yeah, I mean, I think it's, largely the timing that so we did IVF again this time just like right. last time um and I think one of the benefits of that is that you get to pick pick your timing a little bit more yes um and so I think the timing was was not an accident like once Maisie developed certain skills and could do things a little bit on her own especially with the potty training and feeding herself a bit more now we're like hmm what are we going to do with this extra time we have now um and so there it is. There it is. <laughs> now, here we are doing doing another round, round number two. Um, so let's get to actually round number two. Uh, there are some, I guess, questions about what that might look like. What do you think is going to be your biggest shift in terms of adding a second child? What do you expect? What do you hope for? Like, what is what is life for you like a year from now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely thought the first few months of Maisie's life were very challenging, mostly because I need a lot of sleep and that was yeah. not a restful time for me. And so I'm like mentally preparing myself for like added stressors. And so I think, you know, a year from now, I hope that I'm able to look at my life and say like, yes, there's some stressors going on. Yes, there's things happening, but it's not like consuming me. Mm. Um, so I think um, you know, one of the, one of the lessons I've learned lately is like, when you know, things are going to be stressful, double down on good nutrition, good sleep habits, hydration, that sort of thing, not the opposite. And I have, I think I have this tendency as many people might, when things get rough to like, just live on cookies or something like that <laughs> or coffee or coffee, yeah. because it's again, just like push through, push through, push through. And like, that's not something that I want to be characteristic of this next round of like early babyhood, whatever you call it. Well, and to that degree, this concept of pushing through is one that is only viable if at some point the pushing through can kind of can stop long enough for you to kind of regroup, rest, and then kind of bounce back and do it again. But the way that our lives tend to operate, like you're not going to have a lot of that downtime to build yourself back up. So if you push too hard day after day, you're just going to break down. There's not going to be this chance to recuperate and rejuvenate. And the only way that I have seen to make sure that's the case is if every single day that's a priority. Right. That every day there's a, at least in the back of your mind, there's this thought that says, today I have to sleep well, I need to hydrate, I need to eat well, because if those things are not true, watch out, because I know where this is heading and it's not a pretty picture. Right. And I, I think you're right. Like, you know, we do have family support. So I know when we have baby number two, our family will be here and they'll take her and we will get a break. But it's not, you know, if if I'm deep in this pit of like over stress and under sleep, even a weekend or a week apart isn't... It's not enough. It's not enough. And when you have a really tiny baby and you're breastfeeding, you really, you know, 
There's no downtime. And being apart doesn't actually feel any better. You know, you want to be with your child um, in those early months, too. So I think you're right that, like, it's that the nature of that time period where, like, there isn't a break. There isn't a time to, like, really remove yourself from that like we like we have now. And not to scare you if you're a new mom or going to be a new mom and thinking, oh, my gosh, this is going to be terrible. I think there's obviously challenges to, to this, but it's doable. People do this. So they manage. They figure things out. And I think to that degree, what I would recommend, I think to a large degree, is don't just wait for the thing to happen if you know it's coming. Like if you can I mean, do and the Tessa strategy here of kind of front loading and doing the work up front that you can to prepare that preparation pays off in, in many ways to say, if I know there's going to be a busy season, if I know there's going to be a new challenge, to make sure the priorities are managed as, as well as possible and kind of enter into these you know, new life changes on purpose and proactively and with a plan and then have a plan you in, or a system that you intentionally plan to update, one that's going to be flexible. And it's that kind of structured flexibility that I think has allowed us to, you know, to manage our lives and, and to do fairly well with it. I don't feel like we're failing, uh, but I do feel like there's always that sense of we can do better. Mm-hmm. And so let's continue that process of, of redefining what success looks like for us in this next season. Yeah. And I think so many moms and families plan for babies by getting a lot of stuff, like a mm-hmm. lot of just like yeah. junk in their house, or even if it's like helpful stuff. But like, and I think we did that to some extent with the first one, but I think this time around, the preparation is a lot more like emotional, spiritual, mental, and um, also more health wise, and more of a minimalistic perspective of what can we get rid of. Right? How do we create like actual physical space in our lives and space in the calendar and just more space in general? Because we know we're going to want that space for other things. And like our garage is probably half as full as it was before because I just keep purging. I want to get rid of things and sell things and and find ways to to give us that sense of flexibility. Because, I mean, we've been down this road before. We know what's coming uh, and we know it's going to add that second element of the unknown also. And so preparing for the unknown is, you know, in a sense, impossible, but also like we know enough to, to know what we can expect. Yeah. And again, back to this idea, it's all a phase. So, yeah. So I think, in, you know, before it was like, is it going to be like this forever? Like, is, <laughs> is this baby ever going to sleep? Is this, you know, yeah. is it ever going to be any better or any different or whatever? And it's like, yes, you come out of that and the baby sleeps. 12 hours in a row and it's wonderful. (laughs) And I think you also gain a new appreciation for some of those um, things that you realize, oh, this really does fill me up. So speaking of that second baby, we don't have a name for her yet. So uh, if you want to just email me or leave a comment on, on, on Facebook or something, you know, Jeff at jeffsanders.com is my email. Send me your, your ideas. Um, I'm half serious, half joking. <laughs> but we really don't have a name. So. We really don't have a name. So that could be up for grabs. Um, there is kind of one final thought that I wanted to kind of definitely hit on. Actually, two final thoughts. We'll do this. Uh, the first one is this idea of community and family and the, the concept that's thrown around a lot that it takes a village to raise a child. It's true. I think that one thing that Tessa and I have seen, and I, I, I'll speak for myself here, I know that when I have assistance, when I have help, I am very willing to accept that help because there's so many other aspects of life that I want to be able to manage in my own way. And if I don't have assistance and it's all on my shoulders or it feels like it is, even metaphorically, that kind of stress is is exhausting. 
and to be able to say like I have my people and I have a, a way to kind of offload things when I need to that's been awesome I mean there's no doubt that our family has played a huge role in this um, even though they they're 500 miles away and you know they've made the trip down to, to be here and they that you know that level of support has been great and I think also there's a piece of it um, about advocating and and building a community. So if you're listening and you're like, I don't have a community, I'm doing mm. this by myself, my family's like disengaged or they're not nearby or we don't have a lot of other friends or whatever, like a lot of that I think can come from you asking. So ask the person at church to to come over, introduce them to your child or your neighbors, or your neighbors. you know, yeah. there are people out there who I think would like to support you and would want to be involved in your life, but maybe they're hesitant to build that bridge so you can do it. Um, well, one thing that's true about that is that everyone loves babies. Everyone and loves so babies. I was taking uh, Maisie to the grocery store recently, and this was kind of the middle of the day, kind of like you know, 2 p.m. on a Wednesday, and her and I were shopping, and all of the old ladies, maybe it sounds you know, mean, but all of the elderly folk who were shopping at 2 p.m. on a Wednesday just flocked to us like you wouldn't believe. Like People love kids. They love babies. And so if you're looking for you know help, it's amazing how many people will voluntarily say, like, I'll jump in and do something, you know, for you, uh, which I think is is something you don't know going into it. You might think I'm all by myself, but in reality, that's just not true. And a lot of the stuff that's positioned as like an activity for a kid, and you're like, why would my infant like want to go to a music class or something like that? She can barely like hold her head up. But there are other mommies there in that same stage of life and daddies. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I think the sort of hidden gem of some of that really early childhood activity stuff, it's not about the kid. It's about the parents connecting with each other. Very true. Yeah, that, that's a big part of it too. And then the final thought that I had is this concept of of letting go of the I have tos and really getting to a place of what I was talking about the other day, that everything is negotiable, that there really are no such thing as, as, as I have tos. Nothing is forced. Nothing's required. Nothing is has to be in a very specific way. I think that one, you know, as a type A guy and, and you as a, very much a type A girl, we have these perspectives that, you know, we have this way. We decided on it. And this is how it's going to be, whether it's, you know, a control issue on our end or just a, you know, this autonomy we want to have over our lives. I think that one thing that has to be true is this willingness to say that whatever we decided upon, we can redecide, we can renegotiate, we can change this. Nothing has to be that way, which I think is very freeing. It really opens the door to say this, we can kind of recreate this in the moment. We can be spontaneous and have fun with that, uh, which I think for both of us is maybe an area of growth that we've had is that that willingness just open up for those opportunities. Yeah. And I think IVF, and the lead up to IVF really impacted that. Like I had all these months where I was like, this is what it's going to be like when I have a baby. And this is mm. what it's going to be like when we're this cute family and we'll have picnics and we'll like do all this cute stuff. And letting go of some of that because it, it wasn't realistic at the time, I think was um, kind of like an aha moment for me. Like, oh, I don't have to like do all these things that I had in my head I was going to do it there's really no negative ramifications if I skip some of this stuff right um so I remember like I would say to myself like I can't put her in the car with you know wet clothes on if if she's at the park and she gets wet it's like I can't put her in the car with that it's like well actually I can yeah and some people would without even batting an eye so like let's just do it instead of getting stressed about trying to find dry clothes and do the change and all this stuff um, so little things like that, you know, it's like, oh, I can't let her eat only carrots for dinner. It's like, well, yeah, you can. 
no one's going to drop dead from eating carrots for dinner. So, you know, that type of like, I don't have to have like well-crafted meals and perfect outfits all the time. Like I can just let a lot of that stuff go because I really had created it my in my own mind. And, and there's no reason to hold to that if it's stressing me out. Well, it's, it's just lowering the bar. I think that willingness to say like, it's okay if we don't get like an A++ in every single area at the same time. Uh, there's a mom that you and I know we grew up with um, in Missouri back when we were, we were kids uh, where the one of the our, our friends was one of five children and his mom is one of the most chill people I've ever met. So this is a mom with five kids. She raised five boys actually and she is one of the most chill people I've ever met and she has this uh, like perspective on life that I just I can't emulate. I've tried a million times but it's his willingness to say like yeah we'll just let it go. It's fine. Everything's fine. And it actually is. She's not lying. She's not making it up. It actually is fine. And I think that if you are the kind of person like we are, who just like, you know, you're always just pushing and going and and striving for that next level up, like sometimes you just don't want to do any of that stuff. Well, and and I think, you know, know, what you just said, it's like we don't have to be A all the time. But like, I think sometimes in the letting go, we actually are being more, you know, genuine and authentic Mm. and calm and present parents than if we had tried to check all these boxes anyway. Well, it goes to the idea that people who try too hard oftentimes like fail because they're trying too hard. And that's, that's the mistake is that trying to strive for the a plus plus is this is not an a plus plus. And so like that, that's, yeah, it's an interesting kind of, you know, paradox and all of that, but one that's, it's a lot of fun. So Tessa, it's been great. I think we've uh, we've covered a lot of ground here with parenting. There's obviously many decades more to go, but I think this is a good kind of discussion about where we are. Um, if you're listening to this right now and you want to hear more from Tessa or more about parenting or more of these conversations uh, on this podcast or others maybe, um, definitely let me know. Once again, jeff at jeffsanders.com is my email. Um, this is not an area that this show tends to go towards in terms of content, uh, but it is one that obviously is a big part of our lives. And so if you want to hear more about this, definitely let me know so we can find other avenues to, to be helpful uh, wherever we can. Bye, everybody. See ya. And for that action step this week, create solid systems. Whether you're a parent or not, systems work wonders. Boundaries clarify everything. Being proactive is where the magic happens. Be willing to make a solid plan, tweak it, and continue working that plan every day because that's exactly what will get you through those tough times and produce the results you want. JeffSanders.com slash 400, that's 400, is the place to go to get the episode notes. Also go to 5AMMiracle.com to join the 5AM Club and get free email updates about the show. That's all I've got for you here on the 5AM Miracle Podcast this week for awesome episode number 400. Until next time, you have the power to change your life and the fun begins bright and early. Hey, it's Jeff Sanders, and I'm here to tell you about Greg McEwen and his amazing show, The Greg McEwen Podcast, part of the Yap Media Network. Want to achieve more by doing less, all while avoiding burnout? You can design a life that really matters with Greg McEwen, author of New York Times bestsellers, Effortless and Essentialism. His mission is to help you advocate and negotiate your way to remarkable results. Every Tuesday, Greg discusses one key topic he finds interesting and valuable through the lens of the essentialist. 
Every Thursday, he invites thought leaders, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and people like you for inspired weekly conversations focused on learning how to do what matters first and do less but better. His content will stir your thoughts and spark inspiration and action. And his British accents, well, that's just the cherry on top. Subscribe to the Greg McEwen podcast today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.